Movies, Late Night Movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally these projects gel, most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, no, this year on Cinemodities... We have decided not to dive into the history of horror. We have decided not to dive into the history of sketch comedy. But most likely we'll handle 12 different series across the 12 upcoming months. And this first one that we are beginning with is a Rob's choice. I don't know why Zach gave me control yet again. But Rob decided to talk about Steve Odekirk. And I think that's the best way to put this, even though we're not going to look at all of his work, but only the ones that I'm most familiar with. It is still really the Steve Odekirk series. Is that a good way to put it? Did you have any other names that you were thinking of, Zach? We're talking about Ace Ventura 2 when nature calls. (laughs) No, that is one of the ones we will be omitting. Uh, We're also not talking about any Jimmy Neutron. Oh, how about Planet Sheen? Uh, no, no, nothing, even spinoffs of Jimmy Neutron. We're skipping all of those. Bruce Almighty? Skipping that one. Evan Almighty? <laughs> we're skipping most of his stuff. The oh. one movie we're doing, not this week, but at the end of the month, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Okay, and then uh, the other three weeks, we are going to discuss the Thumb movies. The Thumb oh movies, if you've never heard of the Thumb movies, they are exactly what you think. They are movies where all the characters are played by thumbs. Some, there's some other, other uh, appendages, I guess, are in there, and even someone's chin at a few points, but we will get into that uh, as they come along. This week, I believe, our thumb movies are pretty much kept to the thumbs. We're going to talk about two each of these three weeks. There's six in total. And this week we are starting with Thumb Tannic, and Frankenthumb. And I guess that's the one thing I didn't say, is that the Thumb movies are parodies of popular stories, I would say. Is there anything Don't else say. we should <laughs> Is there anything else we should add to our background on Thumb movies? Because of course I I, mean, I would imagine that, you know, everybody knows everything about these and have seen them ad nauseum and, and are, you know, using them as late night movies everywhere they go, right? <laughs> Why well, I because obviously this is a Rob's choice, so I'm going to be uh the reserved one on this series. But, well, I, I remember I've been aware of the Thumb series, I want to say, for almost ever. Mm-hmm. I, my first introduction to the Thumb series was, I remember when I was living in Florida, there was a Sam Goody that I used to go to back when, well, when I was younger, it was hard to get media. I think I talked about that in the Gremlins 2 episode. Yeah. That was, that was kind of my, my holy grail for finding hard-to-find DVDs and, and mm-hmm. VHS copies. And I remember because I'd always go like to the Star Wars section, even though I had them. I don't know why. But they always had Thumb Wars right next <laughs> to Star Wars. So I'm like, sure. oh! Again, Star Wars, Thumb Wars, they probably just put them there figuring that people would like that. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of just interested in like, okay, because obviously you looked at the cover of it, it was uh, clearly a Star Wars parody. Yeah. And for all these years, I've always been fascinated, not for years, but I've always been interested in just the idea of it. And then really my next interaction with it was Rob. I know in high school, Rob's a shelf of DVDs with the final, uh, what was it? Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. 
Yep. Did you have that on DVD, or was that the no? That was a PSP disc. So I had a PSP disc for uh, Spirits Within. I had the DVD for Advent Children, which was the other oh. Final Fantasy movie. Okay, well, okay, I knew there was one there. You had that. You had Heck Boy, Triplets of Belleville, and the other ones were thumb movies, right? Oh, thumb movies. Yep, and uh, don't forget, Spirited Away was up there. <laughs> oh yes, Spirited Away. That was on and the was TV probably, too in the background. You t- you took the joke right out of my mouth. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, so, no. So, I've been aware of these movies kind of forever. I haven't really thought much about them outside of uh, the handful of occurrences throughout the last 16 years of my life. <laughs> but after all this time, I can finally say I watched a thumb movie. Or okay. are we calling these movies? I guess they're, I guess we're calling them parodies, right? Because they're really not feature length. Yeah, they are in feature length. They're all right around half an hour, some a little longer, some a little bit less. Um, I've always kind of thought of them as thumb movies. I don't know why. That's just the heading that they've, I've kept them under. But truly, they are parodies. Like Rob said, we are talking about only two of them. Somehow Rob is going to stretch this out for three episodes. <laughs> I, I am genuinely fascinated how you're able to do this with these. Okay. Not because there's nothing to talk about, but I do not think you're going to be getting a two-hour and 40-minute long discussion like you did with Tales from the Dark Side and Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries. It's going to be even longer. It's going to be even longer. Longer <laughs> than the Jurassic World Dinosaur Boogaloo episode. Mm-hmm. There's two things I want to mention. And first being, because Zach already did, uh, my history with the Thumb movies. Because uh, I don't know how, well, as Zach said, uh, you know, he saw them, he saw Thumb Wars, at least, on display at a store. Uh, and as he mentioned, I ha- have all six of the Thumb movies on DVD. But I actually originally found it in somewhat of a, a a, a strange set of circumstances. Now, I'm not saying anything as strange as Perfect Hair Forever, which was kind of like, you know, a gem in the rough of that madman's computer. If you remember all the wingding files and steady tone files and that type of nonsense. Um, but it must have been a long, long time ago, maybe 2002, 2003. I was uh, visiting uh, a cousin's house way down in Georgia. I think I was closer to Zach than ever before, but I didn't know it back then. It was before uh, Zach and I met. Um, and as far as I can remember, at my cousin's house, his parents had a computer, and the parents had set up LimeWire. Like, the parents were torrenting. Oh, my and, God. And they were torrenting very openly. Like, so much so that now that I think about it, I'm not sure they knew it was illegal. <laughs> like, I I honestly think they were just like, oh, wow, the Internet's great. I can get all this music and stuff at my fingertips for free. And they didn't really know that it was not uh, – it was frowned upon, I guess, by the government. I'm sure it was technically illegal by the, you know, 2003, 2004. Um, but seriously, I was over there, and they were just like, yeah, download whatever you want. And so this was right around the time that I remember Meteora by Linkin Park came out downloaded that cd that's one of the first things i think i ever pirated uh because i knew it wasn't legal to do but i was like okay sure i'll use your internet to download all this stuff you know and then my history with piracy continued and that's a story for another day but one of the things among all the music um among hearing the song brimful of asher until i wanted to vomit i don't know if zach knows that song we'll put a clip in here Well, it's a brim full of ash 
the Thumb movie, Thumb Wars, somehow found its way into something that I downloaded. Maybe I was looking for Star Wars and I found Thumb Wars and I was like, what the hell is this? Well, I'll download it because I'm downloading everything, you know? Uh, that's actually how it came into my field of vision. And then I loved it. You know, I watched it. I loved it. I think I downloaded Thumbtanic. I think I downloaded Bat Thumb. And then uh, just throughout the years, I was like, I want these on DVD. And I ended up buying all six. So uh, a weird or interesting story of my history of illegally downloading things in Thumb movies kind of came from the same spot, right? This, okay, uh, fine, <laughs> fine juxtaposition moment between Rob and I. Even though I doubt the dates, I don't think... If you tried downloading anything like longer than like two minutes in like two thousand two, there's a good chance you would have destroyed the bandwidth along with like it would have taken like six or seven hours <laughs> to download like a set like a seven minute long file. Hmm. So I'm thinking it was later, but just for the sake of argument, let's just pretend that it's two thousand two. Sure. Well, Rob is illegally downloading Lincoln Park albums in, in thumb movies. In two thousand two, <laughs> my father was so paranoid of the internet, we just got an email address in two thousand two. <laughs> like that's where I was in internet in internet time. In two thousand two, we just got an email address. Right on, right on. <laughs> and Rob is Rob is illegally downloading the thumb cannon. Who would have thought? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I still have one of the CDs that I I like because you know back in the day I, I don't think I knew what like a flash drive was or anything and so I was burning all this music to CDs I'm pretty sure I still have one of the CDs I just never play it because I know as soon as I put it in I'm going to hear Brimful of Asher and I've heard that song more than anyone should in their entire lifetime we'll put another clip in. <laughs> <laughs> that's two more times you've heard it now Mohammed Rabbi. Yes, I could probably sing the entire song, <laughs> but I'll uh, I'll I'll skip that for now, Zach. Maybe maybe at the end in reverse as a bonus. We'll, we'll save that for the post show. <laughs> yes, but yes, that's my history with the thumb movies. As I said, I watched them, I loved them, and I've loved them ever since. The other thing I wanted to bring up because I just want to make sure it's clear. I I, I said it briefly before in these thumb movies, in these parodies. All the characters are played by thumbs. We we are seriously saying that these movies, these half an hour parodies of famous stories, all of the characters are literally just people's thumbs with CGI'd faces on them and little outfits and hats and hair and you know and they have some puppetry for the arm work. We get a few shots where we actually see human hands and stuff when they're doing things close up. But maybe Zach can describe it better. I honestly feel there is some really, really good production quality to these thumb movies. The miniatures they build, the little outfits, all these things. I've always marveled at the attention to detail that they've put into these. What do you think about that? Or did it stand out to you, I guess, in the, in the uh, thumb movies you did see? No, well, it depends. Because Steve Odenkirk made these over uh, a very 
I don't want to say a long time span, but considering what you would think, he started what? I think Phantom Menace was 97 he started doing that. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe, oh, that's weird. Um, and, and he went all the way to what? Like 2003? Yeah, th- 2003 or 2004, yep. Okay. Like, no, like, Thumbtanic, because I only watched two so far. I'm kind of pacing myself into the Thumb filmography. Um, no, some of the stuff in, in Thumbtanic I thought was well done. Like, in the CGI for a low production value mm-hmm. uh, a project, I could definitely... I'm like, okay, this looks cool. Considering I know Steve Odenkirk's background after watching all this, and considering that he's very close with Jim Carrey, yeah. I'm not too surprised he was able to get money for this, because I would imagine he either did somebody favors at some point. Because mm-hmm. uh, he is successful. Like, he hasn't really done much in the last, what, 15 years or so? Really <laughs> yeah, probably more. <laughs> he hasn't really had a successful project. But I think a lot of it's probably just the fact he's probably just counting all of his money. But I think a lot of it is... There's some clever moments in this. Like it, it's satire, it's parody. I don't think anybody involved with this is trying to make high art. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, th- I think certain things. I uh, I think the 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 most difficult thing, like Rob said, would be is to there is this, a level of puppetry because all these little because like Rob says, it's thumbs with little like little things like glued to people's fingernails, yeah, and little coats and jackets, and they're and they do have arms that move. They're yeah. not they're not uh, articulated by any means, but they're there. No, there, there. You can see the money on the screen. Do we have any idea what a budget for one of these things was? Oh, that's a good question. I, I really don't know, and I don't know if I've ever looked it up. I, I don't because th- I, I looked into. It, I couldn't find anything. But okay. To be fair, I didn't try that hard. Who do we tweet? Do you think do Steve? Tweet? You think Steve Odekirk runs his own Twitter? Maybe. We can you think help. there's a? You think there's a Thummy? Thummy has a Twitter. Thummy is like the one that the, introduces Titanic. No, no, that that that's not Thummy. Thummy's the one who, like, in the in the start of Thumbtanic, he's the thumb that pops up, and he's like, "Tell him about the volume." <laughs> the one he, he he's in a few others where he introduces the movie with oh, Steve. Okay. Maybe maybe Thummy has a Twitter account. Maybe we'll have to go look that up. Yeah, well, if he does, we'll get him on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, no, I, I think like some of the stuff looks some stuff looks better than others. Uh, I think, considering how I looked at when he released all these, it's odd that I think Rob's kind of jumped around. As to how, Rob, is there any method to the madness of how you paired these? Yeah, so I thought about going in order to some extent, you know, release date, chronological order. But um, uh, for me in particular, I love all the Thumb movies, but there is a clear split. There's three that I love, and there's three that I love, you know, if that makes sense. So I tried to pair... I tried to do one of each in each of these three episodes. So one that I really, really love and one that I just kind of kind of love. You know? I feel like I'm in middle school when I'm talking about you like me or you like like me, you know? It's like that's my relationship with thumb movies. <laughs> oh, boy. Does that Who make is... sense? Does that answer your question? Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> do you like like me, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> I only like you like a mid-range thumb movie. Okay. Uh, okay. So between the two of these, Thumbtanic and Frankenthumb, which is the one that you like? Like Thumbtanic. Okay, I, I, I was figuring is that one of my favorite. I would say Frankenthumb is my least favorite of the Thumb movies. As I watch these, I, I 
as I was y- younger, I remember I used to always love watching The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And it was on, because back when I used to live in Florida, and we did it to a lesser extent when I lived up here, though, but we had a TV in the kitchen. It only got like four channels. There was no cable in the kitchen. So you got basically the broadcast. We used to dinner, eat dinner at six o'clock. Yeah. So basically all you had was broadcast news or you had UPN they used to air The Simpsons. And I would remember that I put The Simpsons on and my father would just kind of, trust me, I'm, I'm connecting this back to the thumb movie. <laughs> and my father would like like chuckle and laugh at the jokes but at the end he'd just be like why anytime i'd put it on he goes why are you turning that crap on okay and i could never figure out how someone could laugh at something and claim not to like it sure and i think i finally understand where he was coming <laughs> from now because as i watch this I laughed at a lot of the jokes like i <laughs> chuckled like i'd not say this, this isn't the the world's funniest joke in the world but I, I at the end I'm like it, it's very sophomoric and dumb. But yes, yes, this does, is definitely does, not like high intelligent humor in no, any it's of not, it. It's not highbrow, but it does have its moments where you can't help but laugh at some of the sheer stupidity of the humor. <laughs> definitely, that's intentionally so. So no, this, this this is I can see where this is coming from. Like I saw some of that in the the Frankenthumb where you have um, Doctor Frankenthumb. And you have his assistant, and it's like, well, what should I do with the creature? Like, what should I do with Pepper? Kill him! Yeah. Well, I well, I don't know. Should I sit there? Should I leave just leave the door open, the gate open? Kill him! Well, <laughs> we could kill him. Well, how do we do it? With a hammer. <laughs> Give me a hammer. I'll do it. But I gave him like life. What? You can take it away. Kill it. <laughs> <laughs> that like that sort of thing. Like again, it it has its its strides. It does. It knows how to play it right though. Oh, what do we do, Humpy? Kill it! Oh, there must be some other solution. No, I really think you should kill it. But I gave it life. Take it back! Kill it! Kill it now! Perhaps you're right. I mean, perhaps he'd be better off, you know, but who should do it? I'll do it! Give me a hammer! I'll kill him! Very well. But there's some scenes where it's like we go to uh, Thumbtanic where we have the interviewer interviewing Geranium. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting in her chair and she just keeps falling asleep. And we just ha- keep having this gag of her falling asleep. And it's like, we get it. She's an old <laughs> thumb. Enough. And like, no, I, I, that's, it's a weird duality with this where there is brilliance. Mm-hmm. But it has to really shine through some dumb moments or just... Lowest common denominator humor. Because like, I'm trying to figure out who this was for in like 1999. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, this is this is a weird one because I don't think a lot. Of, like one thing I was concerned about watching this. So I'm like, oh dear, it's gonna be late 90s, early 2000s humor. Mm-hmm. It's like what what is that even? Like you can look at like <laughs> comedy in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And even to like the late, like the mid to late two thousands, it was kind of like like a flavor of humor in the ether. Yeah, you think about like late nineties, early two thousands. It's like name a comedian that was super popular in the early two, or not a comedian, but a type of humor that was just really a thing to latch on to. By that time, Sein- Jerry Seinfeld's shtick was old. Yeah, and you really didn't start getting like the what was his name. Oh my lord! Uh, oh my god! Dimitri Martin's the Chris. The oh my god! I'm um, not Chris. Oh my god! Uh, Beyond the Pale, Gaffigan. You start getting Gaffigan, yeah. all them. Yeah. They came in the mid two thousands, 
And it was like, well, who's, I guess Bill Maher would be the only one I can think of that really kind of had like this kind of nihilistic humor, which I guess is present yeah. to a certain degree in this. Because mm-hmm. even like think about it, like, like Steve Odenkirk was friends with Jim Carrey, and even Jim Carrey's humor was kind of petering out at this time. Yeah, yeah. But weirdly enough, I think the humor, like, if you're on board for the type of humor it is, like, I, I guess it, like, if, like, if you tell somebody thumb Titanic, it's about the thumbs reenacting the film Titanic. Mm-hmm. If you're not on board with that premise, it's like nothing on earth in this movie is going to make you happy. Definitely, definitely. But if you're on board with the premise, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Like, it's not perfect, but it, it's. I'm shocked at how, it, again, who knows? There's still four other thumb films for me to delve into, and I could very well change my opinion in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. But no, I was shocked at how well the comedy held up in this. Right on. I have to agree with a lot of what you said in there. You know, this is. You have to be on board for it if you're if you are not into the premise. This is just not going to be an enjoyable time. Uh, that's definitely happened to me showing this to people where I'm like, it's great. It's like get it. Like it's it's the funniest thing, and they're like, it's thumbs. You know, like what? Like I don't like what is that? And they they just you know not f- goes over their head. It's just like they I don't know choose not to enjoy it in a way that we would. So I'm I'm with you there. You have to be on board for it. Um, a lot of the humor is dull i guess dull in the sense where it's easy to follow you know it's kind of a a lot of simplistic jokes like the old thumb falling asleep and things like that um but at the end of the day i think that as a whole they they work well i think they're good parodies of the things they're trying to parody and you know like we were saying there's some absolute gems in there where you can just laugh nonstop and you know talk about them later and they're still as funny so I'm, i'm right there with you well, because with any sort of comedy that's based on a, a gimmick, mm-hmm. whether it be uh, Happy Time Murders, where you have a bunch of like Sesame Street characters saying the F word and getting yeah. into situ- like uh, sexual situations, or like a Futurama, or a South Park, or The Simpsons, or again, oh, it's a cartoon ca- It's something that's not supposed to be vulgar being vulgar, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, how far can they ride on the, the gag of the medium? An yeah. un- uncanny medium being the the vessel for this type of humor, and that's another thing too. With this, as I was watching it, was I was waiting for this uh, raunchy. Uh, uh, I guess maybe the humor at the time was South Park humor because this is when South Park really started getting a foundation by mm-hmm. the, the late '90s, early 2000s. And there is no, I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there any vulgarity in the rest of the ones that we have to watch? Or the only thing I can think of is. Um... In Thumb Wars, uh, when they recreate the Princess Leia hologram scene, when she's like, the message is coming out of R2-D2 and Obi-Wan and Luke are watching it, at the end of the message, they like freeze the hologram and Obi-Wan and Luke look up the skirt of the hologram. But but like that's I, I don't think the joke is supposed to be that it's it's vulgar and or raunchy. I think the joke is that it's a hologram and you wouldn't really be able to see anything. Okay. But that's the only time I can think of where they try and do something even remotely sexual. But no f word, no 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 f word, no cursing. Um, in in Bat Thumb, there is a scene where two thumbs are in bed, and it implies that they had thumb sex. Okay. But that's part of the parody, though. So it's yeah, fine. yeah, because it's because uh, it's Bruce Wayne, Woose Bane, yeah. 
No, like that, that's why I was convicted. Kind of, because even remember when I would go to uh, Sam Goody and see this, I always kind of I, I figured it would be it would be a South Park. It would just it would be raunchy mm-hmm. because you have thumbs. You can have thumbs having sex with each other. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, yeah. there is like even like in Thumbtank when they're kissing, they don't even really like. I figured like the the back of the car sex scene mm-hmm. would be like, oh, this is gonna be a slam dunk for some weird sort of like. Okay, well. Well, how do we do this? Like that type of humor. Like we're thumbs. Like it'd be something yeah. meta. Because that's what I think too. Like, like if this were to be made today, it'd be oh my lord, the amount of meta humor. Oh my god, the amount of meta humor about them being yep. thumbs. Mm-hmm. It would just it, it would kill the premise. I agree, and that's something that they don't really do. The only thing that we get is the the thumb jokes. You know, where things have thumb in the name. Or, you know, the parody, they just involve thumb in some way in a lot of the cases. Like, you know, it's not my heart will go on. I think it's, you know, my heart is a thumb or something like that. Yeah, but that's all tied into what this, the the, the yeah. world of this. Yeah. If you can even call it that. Yeah, that, like I said, I, I was, again, yeah, the humor is sophomoric. Again, to be expected. Mm-hmm. But I'm shocked at how how reserved it is, and I guess it goes back to Steve. Because think about even Jim Carrey. Jim Jim Carrey was never over the top vulgar. He was never. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was always uh, there was some level of uh, wholesomeness to it. Not that it was wholesome, but you know, it was always somewhat friendly humor. It wasn't Gentle raunchy. It, it wasn't raunchy humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was hard to offend people with it. Yeah, and I think I and I think oddly enough, you can kind of see that. That, that sort of same creative space being shared. Again, it's funny because I, I did research. Again, I have no idea how Rob's going to be able to stretch this out. I, honestly, folks, I get Kung Pao Enter the Fist. I get how that will be its own episode. But I have no idea how we're going to do this for four more thumb movies. <laughs> but as I was looking at this, though, because I was looking at Kung Pao Enter the Fist, and I'm like, how on earth did that get made? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, clearly this this guy was in the same orbit as Jim Carrey. Yep. And like involved with things, not just like Bruce Almighty, but like the Nutty Professor, all these things. And like, I couldn't figure out who would have, because while he was doing all these big things, he was doing this. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I couldn't, like, these things never got any sort of theatrical release, because that just didn't really happen back in the late 90s, early mm-hmm. 2000s. But I couldn't. I guess the DVD market was so strong at the time that somebody saw one of these on a shelf for twenty five bucks at a sit. Again, Walmart didn't carry stuff like this, so I guess unless you went to like a specialty store and got it, like a Suncoast Video. I think or, I got all six of my DVDs from uh, Fye back in the day. That that makes perfect sense because that would be a place <laughs> where you because again, Sam Goody, Fye, Suncoast yep. Video, they're all more or less the same, just regional. Yeah, I guess I, I really, this is a weird one where I was trying to figure out how this, again, Kung Pao Into the Fist will be its own thing. But I, I can't figure out how he got these made on the fact of it's just, do we know who made these? Like, like, obviously it's O Entertainment, which would later go on to be, or even technically in the midst of all this, would be Jimmy Neutron. Yep. I don't know who, who would have funded this for him. I really, I, yeah, that I, I couldn't find anything about how he got the money for this. And that's that's another fascinating thing is that how do he fund all? I, I looking at the credit, like the credit. I was shocked at how long the credits went on for. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that have their their fingers in the pie with this. Oh sure, yeah, you can see so, those repeat names absolutely. So I'm trying to figure out again how how did he get this made? Not because I guess this was during the DVD boom, mm-hmm. so you, you get. Uh, 
twenty thousand copies at thirty bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I don't um, know because that would be a, a good question to ask Thummy if we have him on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is a weird topic because you'd think after this being around for almost twenty years, it'd be a little bit more of a. I guess guess that's another question is that there is, is there any sort of resonance to this, Rob? Do people still talk about this? Are you part of the thumb, the thumb forums? (laughs) I am definitely not part of the thumb forums. Um, It's, it's kind of one of the things where it, uh, I don't know. I kind of have to get lucky or something. It's where I'll be sharing media with people and I'll be like, Hey, have you ever heard of the thumb movies? And maybe, you know, one out of every 50 people will be like, Oh yeah. You know, I think I, saw thumb wars on comedy central at some point when i was younger because i think they played it on on tv at some point um you know but just randomly people know about it most cases people are like what are you talking about and they'll either you know not be on board with it or they'll they'll take it and who knows if they ever watch it or not uh i'm i'm no part of any like forums talking about the thumb movies i think it's pretty much fallen out of out of the the mainstream of the people who you know were used to be really into these and still are, you know, they don't look for anything new at all. And, you know, I think uh, there was a time period where people were like, I think when Steve Odekirk had his website or there was a thumb website and there were even trailers for thumb movies that hadn't come out yet. And people were kind of latching onto those, but then it just fizzled out. And I think that's kind of the history of the thumb movies that, that they existed. We don't know why or how they exist. Uh, we just know they do. And they just kind of, you know, <laughs> trailed out over the years over the last you know 15 years yep that's because i know i was reading it apparently there was a matrix one that was practically done yeah that one had the longest trailer i believe because there was like a trailer like i said on the website there was a it was called the thumb matrix um there was a trailer for that one there i think there was like a teaser trailer for wwt like worldwide thumb wrestling it was supposed to be like a parody of Hulk Hogan and stuff like that. And then there was another one that was supposed to be made called The Thummersons, I think, which was about, like, a family of thumbs. Wasn't it like, on, like, a bonus DVD or something? Like, there was, like, a double feature of, I think, Thumb Wars and Thumb Tannic, and that was, like, a bonus feature. That was something I read. I think it was, like, um, like a brief version of it. Like, it wasn't oh. the full movie, but it was, like, a little, a little teaser for it as well. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, whenever I read, I think I read the description or I've, I've seen the trailer or something like that. And it always made me think of um, that Wes Anderson movie about the family that I can't with Gene Hackman that I can't remember. Meet the Tenenbaums. Oh. The Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what he was. He was going for like a dysfunctional family type of type of parody with that one. But those are the three that you know we never we never got to see. Hmm. Yeah, you think the Matrix one would come out just because of the inertia of those films coming out in two thousand three. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. I would. I mean, I'd watch all of them, but the Thumb Matrix was the one that I was kind of, you know, most excited for, uh, over wrestling and you know, family drama type of thing. Yeah, that, that's that's what's odd about this because I know I, again in the research for this that apparently Thumb Wars aired the day before Star <laughs> Wars: The Clone Wars premiered on Cartoon Network in two thousand eight. Oh, okay. And I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe that had to have blipped on my radar. It's one of those things where I must have come across that at some mm-hmm. point, and I just bypassed because I'm like, okay, whatever. Or maybe, maybe I, I have a vague memory of sitting down and watching that. I have a vague memory of maybe catching the last like 15 minutes of it. 
Okay. Vague, vague memory though. But yeah, it's just it, it's odd that these kind of like you said, it kind of drops off the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I could. I think we talked about it. What with our. Um, oh, I can't remember. I think it's probably come up uh, a good bit of times now. But it's like you know, why don't we see this more often? Or any of the thumb movies, you know, uh, like a, a late night Adult Swim type of thing. You know, putting ourselves in the shoes of those late night programmers. You know, why don't they play something like this? And I think it is the same thing we've talked about because it's kind of fallen out of the public eye. You'd have to have someone who's really, really gung-ho about getting more people to see it again before it's ever going to be put, you know, on a, on a uh, stream streamed out like that, I would say. Well, I think another reason why, too, is I think everything that's parroting is kind of, like, like dusty. yeah. Like, think about, like, if you were to do, like, put Bat Thumb on, you'd have a, a generation of idiots on Adult Swim that literally have no idea. It's like, where's Heath Ledger's Joker? Yeah. Where, where yeah. where's Chris, why isn't he doing the, the like, the, I'm Batman. Mm-hmm. It's like, why isn't that, just, like, I, you, it's weird. You'd have a generation that would probably not get any of that. Like, great. think about it. How many people watching Adult Swim know that Frankenstein is, like, a movie from the 30s yeah yeah that's a good point <laughs> like i think about it like, did just be like i think it'd be a lot more confusion than there would be like laughing at it like yeah. that's i think it's weird it's like it's in a weird spot now where something that could so easily be parody that i think about when steve odenkirk picked these like you said these are all kind of stories everybody knew in like 99 2000 mm-hmm. and you air it what 19 like less than 20 years later in the same age group, it would just be completely alienated from it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, maybe it would need a new thumb movie with a more recent film that it parodies to come back into favor. The old well, ones even, might not cut it, yeah. Well, I think, because I was even thinking about this too while watching Thumb Tannic and Frank and Thumb, was, like, this would almost work better as like a I think about it, at 25 minutes long mm-hmm. this is a YouTube video yeah yeah like this is something I could very easily imagine somebody doing like a smosh mm-hmm. or a who knows what else one of the one of these generic throwaway YouTube channels yeah and they would do something like something similar to this like instead of uh, thumbs it, it's palm wars and they use their palm and their, uh, who knows sure like, that's the sort of thing I would imagine, like, this would be now. It's like, I, I don't know. You'd think Steve Okirk would try that. Just, you pick something, I don't know. Like, what's what's a really low-hanging fruit that wouldn't be that? Like, I'm surprised he didn't try to do Twilight in the late 2000s. Yeah. Like, that would be, like, a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, you can bang that out probably, like, in a month or two. Uh, uh, would be another one. Like, the, the, the superhero superhero movies clearly are the, the lowest of the hanging fruit. Definitely. But that, that would require a lot of special effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And plus, again, you can go on YouTube and find the exact, you probably find the exact same type of humor. And it doesn't, st- and that's the thing, too, is that, like, oddly enough, this might have influenced more people because that's what YouTube is yeah. now. Is, is stuff like where this was before was more or less, like, think about it. 30 bucks in a FYE or a Sam Goody yep. now is free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And probably has just as much production value. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's something I've never looked into, you know. Uh, I'm sure more things like this exist on YouTube, like you said, that were inspired by it. And, you know, that's, those are probably the people that are keeping this uh, type of humor, type of, you know, media's parody alive. 
I don't know how many people wake up and go, I want to put faces on things that don't usually have faces on them. But, you know, I'm sure some people are out there like that. <laughs> so I'm trying to think if there's even... Uh, I'm going to look it up. Okay, type in thumb, and one of the first results is, is Thumb Wars. Oh, okay. Because even thinking about, like, great... Yeah, th- it's all, all these things are on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been up for five years, and there's okay. no... It, it's a clearly... Nobody wants to take these down. Okay. Yeah, the Blair Thumb. Nice. Thumb Tan. Yeah, literally every single one of them is on YouTube. Oh, right on. Good. Our audience has somewhere to watch them. <laughs> Kung Pao is not. You have to still pay for that. Okay, okay. Don't get it all for free, folks. <laughs> Damn. Because, yeah, because even, like, as I'm looking at it, like, as, as we all know, when it comes to... Uh, uh, YouTube, there's a million idiots out there that have to do, like, retrospectives. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, why was this popular? And I don't see any of that on this. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 odd. There's really no... We gotta get going. Um, yeah, that's... We, we might be uh, trailblazers in this... In this that kind of like how we were with uh, Real Scary Stories. Oh, yeah. Okay. New year, new ground to break, right? <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> new year, new ground to break from 15 years ago. <laughs> so hopefully we bring this back into uh, the mainstream. It'll be an uphill battle, though. But we'll get there. That's why we're doing a whole month of Steve Odekirk, right? Hitting everybody oh, over yes. the head with it. <laughs> yeah, it's really fascinating. There's a bunch of uh, clips to all these movies and the movies themselves, but there is no sort of like... Like, retrospective. Apparently, he might have done thumb debate 2008 presidential election between McCain and Obama. Ooh. Don't know if it's him or somebody that was inspired by it. Yeah, but. yeah. That's the question. Right on. See, that? I think that's, that's, that's a cool idea, you know. It's not a form of uh, artistry I think I ever would have thought of. I never would have been like, we're going to tell stories with thumbs, you know. But I'm glad someone thought of it, and I'm glad... That, you know, people have seen it, and hopefully people are keeping it alive. Like Rob. More stories should be told with thumbs. <laughs> I think we should do Schindler's List with thumbs. Ooh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, just do everything with thumbs, you know? Like, what's this hiring actors for other things, things other than their hands, you know? I'm pretty sure my thumb is a Daniel Day-Lewis of thumbs. <laughs> it just makes me think of... a. Uh, David Duchovny in Zoolander. He's the hand model. <laughs> just like, we gotta get him. We need him to be the star of our thumb movie. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. I know that hand. It was in the fall 1973 Bull of a Watch catalog. You're J.B. Pruitt. The world's greatest hand model. Once upon a time things change that was good i'm good i'm sure we're gonna have more philosophical discussion about these thumb movies as we get to some others right in this in this month of january well folks after 30 minutes of doing that i kind of know what now it's gonna be the rob show i'm gonna go i don't know go get a glass (laughs) of a a drink of something use the bathroom let rob just talk about why these things are the uh, historical masterpieces that he thinks (laughs) they are all right so i would like to start with frank and thumb that's where I want to begin with my least favorite of them. 
How does that sound, Zach? I know I'm, I'm sure you're excited to talk about Thumbtanic uh, because it's superior to Jimmy C's film in every way, but we have to wait, okay? Have to wait? Oh, jeez. Yes, yes, we have to do Frank and Thumb first, so that's where we're going to start. So, very much like all of the Thumb movies, I think with the God Thumb as the only exception, we have some type of introduction to each of the Thumb movies, and in Frank and Thumb, it is from a Thumb character, kind of, you know, in the black and white, he comes out from behind a curtain and he starts talking in a slow voice uh, and introduces it. And I think what the Frankenthum one is when he says, uh, he, he gives the audience a friendly reminder how to tell if they're having a stroke. As you're watching, you may experience a slight tingling around the back of your neck. This tingling may proceed down your left arm and leg. This would have nothing to do with our program but could be the early signs of a stroke. And we would urge you to seek medical attention immediately. If you should feel a sharp prick in your finger, it could be a splinter. And you should seek tweezers and any form of disinfectant salve. Or if they've been poisoned or something like that, that's always good. Um, some, of the, some of the lines that get delivered in there are awesome. I think where he's like, you should seek a healing salve. Did that stand out to you, that intro, by any chance, Zach? Were you just confused uh, at that point when you were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> no, like, I, I was... Frankenthumb, I thought, was much more creative. Okay. Than Thumbtanic, because I felt like they had a little bit more fun with the, the story. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Frankenstein, the story of Frankenstein's been told so many times. Yeah. That it's like, okay, there really is no definitive version anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you, can, you kind of can have artistic license to do whatever you want with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, I, I I think the fewer of the jokes landed with me. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't until like the the, the in a thirty minute short, the latter half really started <laughs> to kind of resonate. Where yeah. I'd be like, oh, I was picking up on more and more the the subtle humor of it all. Okay. Um, yeah, like anything Frankenstein story, I'm not particularly too interested in it until or I guess engaged until when you have the creature show up or the monster, mm-hmm. or in this case, Pepper. Yeah, <laughs> and they call him and they name him Pepper because he really spiced up their lives. <laughs> yeah, like that's like I said, no, the first the first half really wasn't my uh, cup of tea. Okay, yeah, I think the first half of Frankenthumb is weak uh, with the jokes and especially with some of the delivery of the jokes. Like um, you have, you know, the recreation of when Igor, who's named Humpy in this movie, when he gets the he gets the bad brain, you know, he doesn't get the right brain for Frankenstein or Frankenthumb, I should say. And you know, he 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 brings the brains back, and the doctor's like, "Are they geniuses? Like, are they are they scholars?" And Humpy's like, "I guess so. I can't read," and he like starts crying because he can't read. And then the immediate next line is the doctor going, "Well, as long as you didn't get them from the Bad Brain Institute." And Humpy, like, looks at the camera and does, like, the shocked face. Oh, excellent work, Humpy. Oh, look at them. Are they scholars, Humpy? Huh? Are they men of of great wealth and grace? What's a scholar? Educated men. Are they geniuses, Humpy? I guess so. I... I... I can't read! <laughs> of course you can't. No matter. As long as you didn't get them from the Bad Brain Institute. Ah, oh, we'll do just fine. 
But how would he know we got him from the Bad Brain Institute if he can't read? Because he broke into this place late at night. So, you know, it just it just doesn't make sense right off the bat. And that's something that I've always picked up on, that it seems like, you know, they were just whipping jokes at the wall in Frank and Thumb rather than, you know, kind of structuring them around each other and around the parody. And that's probably why it's my least favorite also. What a horrible movie. I also don't like the ending. The ending where they're like, oh, we're going to get Frank and Bat Thumb to, like, save Frank and Thumb. I've always been like, really? Like, that's what you do? But... We'll have to get to that, because that ties into Bat Thumb, of course. So, the thing that I have to absolutely say I love about Frankenthumb, and I love in this kind of rendition or parody of the Frankenstein story, is the townspeople. The fact that they're just pissed off all the time. Like, I, I love the scene where, you know, I don't even think the monster's been created yet. Like, just the Doctor and Humpy are trying to, like figure out how to do it, how to reanimate, you know, dead tissue. And there's a scene where there's just a whole group of people in the town square, and they're like, burn them, tie them up and lynch them, drive them out of town. And the mayor's like, oh, I want something done. We gotta do something. Bring them up. Yeah. Bring them up high. Then go after it with the torches. Please, please. One of the time for heaven's sakes. I'm mad. Me too. At what? They've got to be stopped. Yeah. I'm sorry? Hang them high. Hang them high who? Hang them. Who hanging high? Who will be hanging? Well, I don't know. But come on, are we going to take this anymore? Take what, please? There must be something going on that we don't approve of. And I think we should go out and stop it, or kill it, or whatever. Who's with me? Yeah, kill something, destroy it, yeah, whatever. (laughs) My good friends, please. There is nothing to rebel against at this time. Okay. Okay. Now, go on back to your homes and get some resting, okay? I'm sure for all very, very patient that in a little while there'll be plenty of things to mob about before you even know it, okay? All righty, bye-bye. Go home now. I hope it's soon. Okay. All right. Good evening, everybody. Hi, Charlie. Take care. Like, I just love the fact that the people are just <laughs> eternally pissed off. That is so funny to me that they are just dying to, like, form a mob and attack something. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's another, that was an odd moment in this where it's, like, oddly uh, uh, clairvoyant where it's, like, outrage. Like, the yeah. fact that, like, it's, like, we want, like, that's one, like, that's a moment where I think you could get away with it and it would work maybe today better than it did at the time. Mm-hmm. In fact, you have a bunch of people standing around just waiting to get angry at something. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. and, and you have, oh, God, what's the Italian guy's, the Italian thumb's name? Oh, I'm pretty sure he's just Italian thumb. Italian thumb? Uh, yeah, he's in, he's actually in multiple movies, and I think he's always credited as that. And even in this movie, the daughter just calls him daddy. Okay. Because like I, even that though, it's like he shows up. It's like he cuts. He pushed me down. Well, <laughs> what else did he do to you? Oh yeah, when he's like, they played a patty caker with my daughter. 
after every single line, the whole crowd is just like getting angrier and angrier. <laughs> yeah, that that sort of thing would work for today. I, I better than it probably did at the time. Okay, right on. And I guess speaking of the Italian man, uh, I absolutely love the interaction between Frank and Thumb and the daughter when they do play patty cake. Just like that, the, the interaction between the girl who's like so prim and proper with her speech and Pepper who's, you know, grunting like the, the creation he is. And then they play patty cake. And then, you know, when the Italian guy comes back out, Pepper just like slaps this little girl into oblivion by mistake. And she like goes flying and she's like, ah, and it trails off. Oh, the voice acting, Zach. That's what I'm getting at. It's just, it's superb. Oh, no. <laughs> voice acting discussion. That's what this is all about. <laughs> He's blindsided really with the voice acting discussion. It really is amazing, isn't it? I'll make it stop already. I can already hear. Okay. <laughs> Zach, did you know who voiced the so-and-so? Oh, most of them are Steve Odekirk, so that makes it easy, right? <laughs> The Italian man, I guess I should say, is uh, Steve Odekirk. The other thing I want to mention in Frank and Thumb, another one of the things I absolutely love, um, you know, the, like the mob, the, the townspeople always being angry. I think that's hilarious, but it, you know, kind of transcends funny, and I just love that concept. It's when the mob actually comes together is the next moment that stands out to me in Frank and Thumb. Um, like, the mob knows they want to get Frank and Thumb, and I think, you know, they're all getting springing into action. And there's a guy that's selling matches like there's. Oh, a, yes. The guy with the stand, a thumb with a stand. And he's just like matches, matches for sale. And it shows all these thumbs like running up to him and like getting matches. And as this is happening and the mob is like forming and getting ready for action, the guy selling matches is like matches. Come get your matches. I do not sell lighters. My family was killed in a horrible fire accident. Get your matches here. Get your bottoms off your porches. Come and find me brand new torches. They light up when you light them. They're sticks when you don't. I do not sell lighters as my family was killed in a bad fire accident. Like, there's something about that that is just unreal. Like, that is such a funny, funny thing to put as such, you know, like a subtle joke in the background. I I love it. <laughs> that uh, I'm sure you picked up on that, or did you not? Oh no, I definitely picked okay. up on that one. Right on. Yeah, that is. <laughs> my family died in a freak fire accident. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh man. So now, Zach, at the end of Frank and Thumb, I have to mention we see the one-eyed thumb. Yes. He is one of the members of the Angry Mob. And in this movie, the one-eyed thumb doesn't speak. He doesn't have any lines. He just kind of laughs. I would say that's the best way to put it. Uh, he, he has the same sound clip in every single thumb movie. Because, Zach, I don't know if you knew this, the one-eyed thumb makes an appearance in every each thumb movie. Did you see that in your research? Yeah, I read that. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to point it out in each one where he comes into play. And since we're doing Thumb Tannic, that's the only one where he actually has like a bigger role than all the other thumb movies and just making an appearance. But he makes a great, great noise, a great laugh. And we'll play the clip. <laughs> but Zach, ready? I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try and impersonate uh, this. Hopefully uh. it's better than the Italian accent. The one on thumb makes a sound that goes something like this. 
<laughs> what do you think? Was that pretty good? Uh, I only heard that one, what, once or twice? Yeah, you should have heard it twice now since you watch. Since you supposedly watch two thumb movies, <laughs> supposedly, yes. <laughs> no, it, it's decent enough. Okay. I think there's a little more of like a throatiness to it that I can't capture. Where he's like, or it's a little deeper or something like that. But next week, the following week, Zach and I'll brush up on our our thumb impressions, and we'll get pretty good at it. You know, right? That's our homework. Oh dear lord, not again! Now we have to start singing along. Yeah, we have to do uh, Brando impressions as well. Didn't we say that? Because we're going to have the God Thumb coming up. We're going to have to do yes, Brando yeah, impressions. Yeah, we still have time, though. Yes, okay, okay, good. Okay. All right. Zach, was there anything else that stood out to you in Frankenthumb? Anything as a whole? Any specific scenes that you want to mention? I guess I should ask you, not having seen all the Thumb movies, what did you think of the ending? Because all the townspeople want to kill Pepper, Frankenthumb, and the doctor saves Pepper by creating another life, Franken-Bat-Thumb, which is literally the Frankenstein version of Bat-Thumb. And he goes and he saves Pepper and all the townspeople run away. And I think, doesn't the movie or the parody end with the doctor and Humpy and the two Franken-Things going, we're going to take over the world, we're going to rule our way or something like that. Right? New world order. New world yeah, order. the new world order. So... I've always had a little bit of a problem with this ending. It always seems like a little weak to me. You know, maybe like a like a Deus Ex Machina type of thing where they just make Franken Thumb out of nowhere or Franken Bat Thumb out of nowhere. What did you think? Uh, I I thought maybe this was set up in like Bat Thumb. Like maybe like they did something in that that maybe connected it to Franken Thumb. I no, guess that's not the no. So uh, Bat Thumb is very much alive at the end of Bat Thumb. Oh, okay. Uh. No, I, I thought like, it's not stupid. Like it seems like something they would do today. Like it seems again, this is the part of the humor where it's like, oh, I could see this being a joke somewhere. Right today, like, oh, what do we do to help the uh, Frankenstein? We create Batman, <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was cute. I thought it was also funny how uh, Pepper is always beating up Humpy. Yeah, oh yeah, the yeah. running gag of Humpy always being beaten up. I, I like that. Yeah, like I said, no, I had no problems with the ending. No, I guess okay, okay, the latter right. half of this, I definitely was much more on board with than the, um, I think it was the exact moment when they're trying to create Pepper, mm-hmm. and they keep, like, like he has the settings, and it's, like, toast, alive. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. when I really started, like, connecting with it. Yeah, and then, then you get the scene where it's, like, uh, they're they're trying to see if he's, I don't know, gentle with animals, and the doctor just keeps handing him animals, and the and Pepper keeps killing them. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah. That's some that's some good stuff. Yeah. Don't they give him? They give him like a cat and a dog, and the animals keep getting bigger, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Basically. I feel like the first few birds don't go through very well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right on. Good. I had to mention that scene because that's going to come up for snacks later on, Zach. Oh jeez. Yes. All right. Well, I would say that that is. One out of the way. Frankenthime. Frankenthime. Frankenthumb is out of the way, and that's kind of my last in the ranking of the six thumb movies. That's number six. Okay? Number six. Number oh six. God. Okay. So, on to Thumb Tannic. And I want to start by asking Zach his opinion. Much better than Jimmy C's Titanic, or way better than Jimmy C's Titanic? What'd you think? Oh, I think you know the answer to that. Mm, infinitely better. Infinitely better, yes. <laughs> oh, so um, 
uh, as I think we've covered before, when we talked with Ryan, when we've talked Titanic in the past, I know Zach Zach loves the Titanic. He's a master historian. Um, and I, I think it either it didn't come up or it got cut out of our discussion with Ryan. Uh, but he confirmed oh, that God, here it is. Here the it is. giant spider did most <laughs> yep. of the damage to the Titanic, right? Oh, no! It's a gigantic spider! It's a gigantic spider! <laughs> that spider is coming for us! That's right. Go back to the hell from which you came. You can't blast away an ocean, Jake. I know. I know. Well, I was watching this, and the giant spider shows up. I went, "God damn it!" That was that was that was one of my biggest concerns going into that interview. Once he was going to ask the question about the giant spider. <laughs> And I guess we should say it's not even a giant spider. It's just a regular spider in terms of a movie. <laughs> it's just because a spider's bigger than your thumb, or at least this tarantula is. <laughs> really, Rob? They got a, a they didn't get a giant spider and, and sit there and build a life size Titanic. I guess I guess we what we lies? won't I guess we won't know since we don't know the budget, right? No. <laughs> this cost two hundred. This cost fifty dollars, fifty million dollars more than Jimmy C's film did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe they, uh, you know, reuse some of the sets or something. You know, maybe they were in cahoots together. <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> oh man. So so yes, uh, Zach is agreeing. Zach is well aware that the giant spider actually did a lot of the damage to the Titanic, the one that hit the iceberg. My question for you, though, Zach, because no Titanic documentary I've ever seen, and I would say I've seen two. Um, <laughs> this being one of them. Uh, they never explain how the giant spider got there, because uh, what is, are we supposed to believe that the giant spider was swimming around? I think it's much more likely that it was on the ship somehow, right? Yeah, well, that's the only logical conclusion I can think of. So, in in your historical knowledge of the Titanic, why would someone have been transporting a giant spider? Do you know? Uh, maybe they needed silk somewhere in America. Oh, that's a that's a lot of silk from a giant spider. Yes, someone's mm -hmm. to make a fortune. Do you think that there was supposed to be like a stop in between before they got to America where they were going to go to like the island King Kong lives on and drop the spider off there or something? Like a reverse Peter Jackson King Kong? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Kong Skull Island is, is somewhere. I don't know if that's on the route from between uh, <laughs> Europe and America. But does anyone yeah, have a geographical location of Skull Island? I don't know where that is either, so we'll have to we'll have to figure it out. Unless it's like the island from Lost, and it's constantly moving, and we can't figure it out. <laughs> Who we'll have knows? to work on that. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a bonus episode for sure. All right. Well, Zach, you you know I had to bring that up. <laughs> the giant spider. Spider. That is one of my favorite scenes in this movie. When as the as Thumbtanic is sinking, the giant spider comes out, and then our main character. <laughs> Blows it away with a laser gun, and the, all the people think they're saved for like five seconds until they realize the ship is sinking again. Oh, it's it's awesome. Um, so as I stated, I think you know. Well, just by 
process of elimination. Frankenthumb's at the bottom of the list. Thumbtanic is not my favorite thumb film, but I would say it's probably my third favorite. It's, like I said, in that, that top tier of thumb films. I really, really do like this one. As much as uh, I'm not really the biggest fan of Titanic, the concept, the film, that type of stuff, this this is uh, really good. I really, really do enjoy this one. I have to point out, as I said before, the introduction to this one. We have Steve Odekirk's floating head, and he's talking about you know the introduction to this movie. And then Thummy pops up, and Thummy has the great line where he goes, Tell them about the volume! And then Steve Odekirk literally goes on to describe how volume works to the audience. I I don't think there's a better intro in cinematic history, Zach. Are you with me? Then telling the audience how volume works. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, will, I want two things on record. A, Rob is saying this beats Alfred Hitchcock when it comes to introducing your films. <laughs> and two, earlier he said the phrase... It's not in my top tier thumb films. I don't think in the history of mankind, the arrangement of the words top tier in thumb films have ever been used in that sort of syntax order before. So congratulations, <laughs> Rob. You have done a first in the history of the world. Are we breaking new ground? <laughs> oh, what, what's stronger than ground? We're breaking new, oh God, new energy. We're breaking, I don't even know if there's, we're discovered a new form of energy. We've <laughs> A new a new law of the universe. Yes. <laughs> oh man, I don't know if there is a sound to to correlate to that, right? <laughs> it's certainly not enough that to, to be uh, perceivable on this podcast. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna play noises. We're gonna include a clip right here of noises that cannot be heard by the human ear. So if you're listening to this with your dog or animal, they might freak out really quick. <laughs> oh, right on, right on. No, that's, that's good. I like that, Zach. Um, it, so I love the intro, telling the audience about volume, uh, but pretty much one of the next things we get, it's not the start of the movie, because of course with the start of the thumb, thumb tannic is when we have the guy in the submersible and he finds the wreck of the thumb tannic. But when the old woman is watching TV and they start to talk about the thumb, uh, the wreck of the thumb tannic, when it first shows the TV and like the news broadcast starts, the uh, the the anchor. The first thing we get to hear him say is, "I bet that squirrel was surprised, Barbara." And then he goes on and talks about the thumbtanic. Like so, that's like the end of the previous segment. <laughs> I bet that squirrel was surprised, Barbara. But uh, just forever, this joke reminds me of the intro joke to Freaked. The start of Freaked is, you know, we repeat, the flying gimp has been destroyed. You may return to your homes. Like, I love that concept. I'm, I know Freaked and This aren't the only two places it's done where you just have, like, the tail end of a story that's played off as a joke. But, you know, Freaked and This, I got those kind of at a young age and that introduced me to it. I've just loved that ever since. Did that pop into your head, the Freaked relationship with that, that kind of line at all? Uh, no. Or I have, I, have I watched I, this for too many years that it's just so easy for me? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think in the Rod's brain, uh, linking these things to freaked and other sort of oddities isn't too hard to do. No, I did not think uh, I did not think of freaked at all while watching either one of these. Okay, okay. I think um, they are. You know, some of the humor is similar, but just some. It's not like there's a lot of overlap. I would say. You know, like I'm thinking of freaked, where there's some of the uh, like the quicker, more brief jokes. I think are what we get similarities with, um, with the thumb movies at least. 
I do not know it all, unfortunately. But I think, Zach, what did you say? It was your favorite scene uh, this year or any year when the old thumb keeps falling asleep, right? Yes, favorite favorite scene (laughs) of the decade. Yes. Um, I really like uh, when the reporter is telling her, keeps interrupting her to tell her to start her story. And every time he interrupts her, he gets more and more aggressive and, like, leading into the fact that she's old. Like, I think one of the last one, he says something like, Spew forth from your decrepit pie hole this ancient tale of misery and woe or something like that. And it's, it's, it's good. Like, he really leans into it at the end, and it's hilarious. Phil Shabato, KTMB Channel 3 News with his exclusive interview. Tell us your story, old one. Well, uh, I... Give us but a rare glimpse behind the withered curtains of your mind. All right. It was a... Grace us with the marvelous tale of ancient wisdom that is locked within the deep, withered pit of the crusty remnants of your aged, ragged brain. Fine. It was... Grace us with the marvelous tale of withered, decrepit, Wisdom spew forth from your lined, gray, wrinkled pie hole the secrets locked deep within the past. It should be a ringtone or something. Just him, like, <laughs> getting angrier and angrier at an old person. <laughs> oh, I have to mention it. We'll get it out of the way now. Our one-eyed thumb. We get to see him as a passenger on the Thumbtanic in this film. But we actually get to see him at the end. So he has a line off camera. It turns out that he's the one who wanted to get the necklace from Geranium, from the old thumb. Did you pick up on that at the end? How could I not? Of course. And so I think this is one of the things that, you know, uh, Zach isn't as familiar with because in all the other thumb movies, we only get to see the one-eyed thumb. He makes his noise and that's it. He's never a part of the plot or anything like that. This is where he actually has something to do, and he actually has an off-camera line, and he, he kind of, you know, makes off with everything. Uh, the other thing is, this is this Thumbtanic was the last Thumb movie to come out. So there is kind of like a story arc for the one-eyed, one-eyed Thumb. It's, it's got some holes, but it's kind of there, you know? That's pretty cool. So I would hope that if we ever get another Thumb movie, maybe we have him as more of a central character. And he was actually supposed to be one of the family members in the Thummersons, I'm pretty sure. So much thumb knowledge. Is he your favorite character? <laughs> oh, I think so. Oh, man. Okay. So so the, this is kind of, you know, the One-Eyed Thumbs movie. Thumbtanic is where he gets to shine. And it shows that he lived, you know, from the Thumbtanic to the current age. He didn't age at all. No. Mm, interesting, Zach, right? Interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I want to now get some of Zach's opinions for things that get parodied. Because like we said, he's the Titanic master. What did you think of the uh, I'm the king of the world scene with the line behind him and like all the people getting up on the you know bow of the ship to, to say something? I, feel, I think I've seen that before. Seen it in the Thumb movie or just that joke somewhere in, else? I've seen that joke in a few places. Okay, okay. Do you know like where you would have seen it? Because I'm trying to think of like what else would parody the Titanic or parody that thing. You well, know, uh, I I don't know. I, I think pretty much anywhere at this point. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I just I I feel I I hear what you're saying, and I, I would believe you that you know this has been done elsewhere. Um, I just can't think of anywhere that I've seen it before. 
maybe like a um another parody movie you know not one of the thumb movies i'm thinking oh. like a, one of the scary movies or you know they did like what was it date movie or it yeah. was a parody of rom-coms be, and something like that it could be a futurama it could be a simpsons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely that's where i would expect that to come from okay that makes sense that makes sense so we get to hear a lot of different lines from people you know so what the parody is our main character says he's the king of the globe instead of king of the oh, world yes. about it. Time's up. Next. I'm a dentist. Yay. Next. I'm really a woman. Whee! Next, please. I'm cleaning my elbows. I'm also free. I'm a bedwetter. No, that's not good. There's another another guy gets up and he says something really mundane where he's like, I've, I've just filed my taxes, I think. When it shows the line and it's panning through them, you hear in the background someone, someone like says the line, I'm washing my elders. And I've always thought that was really funny. That you would get up on the front of a ship and scream, I'm washing my elders. <laughs> what would you say, Zach, if you had that opportunity on the Thumbtanic? Or the Titanic, I guess. Do you know what you would say? Would you even do it? I guess that's the precursor. Oh, you have to do it. Get in line. Oh, you have to. I guess I'd have to go, it's like a sinking, or no, it's like a sagging birthday cake. Oh! Titanic definitely looked, looked sick. It looked like a, looked like a sagging birthday cake to uh, survivors in the lifeboats. That's a good one. Like something where you'd put your arms up and scream, I'm on a sagging birthday, birthday cake. cake. That would actually, if that was a line in the thumb movie, I probably would have thought it was funny, you know, years <laughs> ago. I'd have been like, that's so crazy. It's absurd, you know? Now you know there's context behind it. Yeah, that'd be a good in joke. Okay. So um, <laughs> I would, uh, I, I think I would probably like scream scream something and jump at the same time <laughs> like from the front of the boat but it would be very contradictory like i would i would scream something like i love to be alive and then jump oh and that's, jump okay yeah that's what i would do i would be like you know um i can't wait for the buffet tonight and then jump you know really just really confuse the other people in line or whoever's watching i'm sure there's like a camera guy or something right because they make it like a, a tourist photo op. Of you course. Can, you can buy your picture at the end of the trip. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but would this, do you think this is an activity that our restaurant should have? Uh, maybe we have the, the Cinemonides cruise line. Oh, I like that. I like that. When we get a, a cruise ship going on. Okay. Man, we could have our we could design our own cruise ship that would have an apparatus in the bottom to like scrape the ocean and just create caviar. Oh, and geez. so we would have like the fountain of caviar on the boat and it would be like a self-sustaining caviar fountain. That's cool. That's we cool. would we would like it, it's, make species go extinct. 
we would like do whatever the version of deforesting for the ocean is oh. like destroy so many reefs it'd be terrible but our customers would have their caviar right and that's what matters at the end of the day <laughs> oh my lord i like it i like the cruise cruise line idea that's that's something we gotta that's the, we, have to, we have to get some more uh, funding though mark you know we had so much money <laughs> yeah we have to go back on shark tank and uh and get more sharks involved definitely I also wanted to ask Zach what he uh, thought about, I, or maybe not thought about, maybe if he caught on to it. Thumbtanic, I think, is one of the the few thumb movies that have a lot of kind of sight gags in the background. The thumb movies do it all, they all do it to a certain extent. This one certainly has the most. And there's one, uh, I think there's actually two times, where before the Titanic or Thumbtanic is even sinking, before it's hit the iceberg... There are framed pictures around the ship of the Titanic sinking, like of the ship actually sinking, like uh, uh, shots we get to see later on. Did you notice that at all? I noticed it in Geranium's house at the at the beginning and the end, but I did not notice it while on the ship. Okay, yeah, I think there's um, I think there's one right before the ship hits the iceberg, and they show like um. Yeah, the, the, like the first-class passengers, and they're all the fancy people are around a dinner table, and they hear the ringing, and they're like, what is that incessant ringing? And someone's like, I think it's the poor people, and they're, it's the sound of being poor or something yeah. like that. And in the background, there's a framed picture of the thumbtanic, like, you know, angled halfway out of the water. And, uh, yeah, and it happens in Geranium's house as well. Um, I've, always, I've always loved that, you know. There's a few, maybe one or two, where, like, the captain is in the foreground and there's a picture of the captain in the background and the captain, the picture of the captain changes as the captain's facial expression changes to match. I don't know if you picked up on that one. The captain is weird. The captain, I know obviously in real life, Captain Smith is an old man, mm -hmm. or an older man. And in this, he's not, he's like a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Artistic, artistic decision, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. You would know better if it even is the case when characters in this, you know, correlate to characters in the movie, Jimmy C's movie. But there's the one character who's just constantly like, we need to go faster. And then when they're sinking, he's like, we need to sink faster. I want to be the first one to die. And so I've always thought that was really funny where he's like, I want to go increase speed beyond reason. I want to go faster than reasonable. Did that is that someone from the Titanic movie that stood yeah, out well to you at least? Well, that that's supposed to be uh, Ismay. The fact you want to get there faster—that's supposed oh, to be Bruce Ismay. Oh, okay. I need. We need to go faster. <laughs> so he's good. The designer of the ship. That's I think the only thing he's called in the Thumb movie. Um, I'm sure he's. Is he correlated to someone in the Titanic movie? Uh, Thomas Andrews. Ah, yes. Okay. I I absolutely love the scene when the ship is sinking and the designer and the captain. And the, the captain's like, how do we get out of here, you know? And, he, and the designer starts pointing at the diagram of the monkey, and he's, like, explaining things. And the captain's like, this won't help, this is a monkey. And there's just a pause in the music, and there's, like, a, like everything goes silent. And he's like... If you refer to diagram B12, you'll see the point of impact is right here. The water will rush in and branch off in two key areas. Now, it is very important to remember... This isn't useful, this is a monkey! Hmm... Yes, it is. Wait, right here. There's an escape portal through the tail. Does anyone have a banana? 
or some type of sweet fruit. <laughs> and there's a scene where he's like, oh, there's an es- the part of that scene where he's like, there's an escape hatch in the tail. Does anyone have a banana or other type of sweet fruit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it's so good. Uh, I think the next thing that y- you better believe we're going to talk about it's it's a, I think it's an easy gag, but they do it really really well. The salesman when the Titanic when the Thumbtanic is sinking, who's first selling babies and then selling oh, yeah. changes. Yeah, that okay. is great. Uh, I well one we see him a few times in the Thumb movies, but Thumb babies they're basically like the tip of of like a pinky toe. They look really really tiny. I always love the way that they made babies look in this movie, but. Just the way that they pitch it, where he's like, babies, get your babies here. Can't get on the lifeboat if you don't have a baby. And then, you know, I think the giant spider attacks and and he laser guns it away. And then they, everybody realizes they're still sinking. And he's like, sex change operation. Can't get on a lifeboat if you're a male. <laughs> and it's just him with a bloody axe. Nice. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's great. Like I said, I think it's an easy gag because... When you think about life, getting on lifeboats, you know, you, men, women, and sh- uh, men or women and children first thing. Jeez, I almost digressed back into men. Oh women. man, oh, that Norris. <laughs> it, it's just, it's, it's great. They do it fantastically. Get your babies here. <laughs> the other thing I have to mention, Zach, because oh. how, how could we not talk about it? The parody of the Celine Dion song. So I think I mentioned already. It is not my Heart will go on. I'm pretty sure it's my heart is a thumb. I think that's what it is. So we get like, you know, the it's during the sex scene, I believe, when they're when geranium and the guy are falling in love and we get to see cuts of you know the celine dion character singing i forget what they call it they call it something like parody of celine dion and the little little title card that pops up in the corner of the screen but i can't remember it um uh, this is this is my kind of parody it's terrible it makes me think of the uh, the unsolved mysteries music parody i did if uh, you remember that that really really bad cover of that song this is makes me think of the same thing, and it took me years to really latch on to it, but I will forever find funny. It took, really, the years it took was me to, you know, get more into music. The way that this song ends is fantastic. We have, you know, Celine Dion's thumb character, like, holding the note at the end. It's like, my heart is a thumb, and then... She, like, holds the note out, pauses, and then says the last syllable. So it's like, my heart is a thumb. That is (laughs) so funny. Like, no musician would ever do that. There's a reason you never hear that from a singer. And then they do it perfectly. That's one of the jokes I think that, you know, it took me a while to really understand or maybe appreciate more. And now I just absolutely love it. 
there'll be times when I'll be like, you know, just jamming, playing music with uh, friends just for fun, and I'll do something like that, like add one extra note at the end, and it always makes me think of this, but I'm sure no one else understands what I'm going yeah. for. <laughs> All right, Zach, I think um, those are the big things I want to talk about for Thumbtanic. What did you have in mind for Thumbtanic? Was there anything that stood out to you kind of as a parody or as maybe a change from the f- Titanic movie that you caught on to or anything that you wanted to point out? Uh, not really, no. I, I, the humor, the, the, the Titanic humor, obviously... Like, I appreciate some of the more surreal aspects of it, hmm. like the monkey and the, the babies. Like, I thought the baby thing was great. It's like, you can't get off the boat without your babies. Because <laughs> that, that's at least a thing that obviously anybody who knows the Titanic story can, can find amusing. Mm-hmm. Some of the aspects, obviously, like I would imagine this is one of the earlier ones of Jack in, or Jake in Geranium on the door and the fact that he knocks her off the door. And yeah. they all survive by just kind of dogpiling on, on the one lifeboat. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the running time of this. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, like what parts <laughs> of this are they going to really kind of get involved with? And thank God they kept a lot of the the Rose love story. Or I guess what, the, what was his name? Uh, Cliff Huxtable, mm-hmm. Billy Zane. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it, like, thank God we kind of cut him out of this. But I love the fact that at one point, uh, Geranium's walking on the deck of the ship with the maid. It's like, I hate being rich so much. I want to be poor. I'm tired of being rich. I want to be poor. Dance with poppers and have sex in a car. Oh, I do so want to be poor. You want to be poor? Are you half crazy? I work 18 hours a day for a mere shilling a week. Then I return to a freezing room the size of a closet. Oh. I would pack myself an excrement if it meant just staying one degree warmer. I do so want to be poor, except for all those parts. I want to be poor so badly. <laughs> you know, I would sit there, I would live in a room full of, of feces if it even kept my body temperature one, de- one degree warmer than it is right now. Yep. <laughs> and then at the end, when she's, not the end, but later when she's about to jump off the back of the ship. If I can't be poor... I'd rather be dead. Why don't you just (gasps) give your money away? What? Your money. If you want to be poor, you don't have to kill yourself. Give away your money. Then you'll be poor. That's a bunch of rabble. Funny thing about a pig. They lay around all day in the mud, but they're cleaner than you and me. Well, you. I'm clean. Yeah. And it's like, I want to be poor or I'll die. You know, you <laughs> yeah, just give I your money poor, away. I'd rather be dead. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, yeah that's, that's good. Like, there's, some of this stuff is like, okay, like when you're having sex in the back of the car, it's like, okay, I get it. I do. Um, I love the fact that the little car has on the door, there's a, a little sign that says sex scene car. Oh, and you, I, and you even, like, at the beginning of the movie, when, um, when he, like, gets the ticket and he's running onto Thumbtanic. You can see it like on a crane, and it even says "sex scene car" on that in that shot as well. Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that. When you watch them again, <laughs> we'll we'll come back in February. We'll do it, or we'll re- revisit every single thumb movie. What do you think? <laughs> oh, now now we're having a good time. And Spirited Away. We won't and do Kung Spirit- Pao again. We'll do Spirited Away again. Oh my God! So many things I have to watch. <laughs> oh, uh, I guess I had a question. Um, because I don't remember it. Was there any scene in the 
Jimmy sees Titanic with lice, because there's a scene in here where he's like get going on the boat. Lice check! <laughs> I don't have any lice. Well, <laughs> now you do! <laughs> I, I know the lice check's a thing, obviously, in the movie, but to dump lice on somebody, no, that's that's new. Okay, but there is there is the lice check scene in the movie. It's brief. You see them like looking at some okay. guy's beard, and then like that's when probably why I don't remember it then. Yeah. And, just, when he, and when he gets when him and Fabricio get on the ship, they they ask like, "Have you been through the checks?" And it's like, "Of course, we don't have lice. We're both Americans." Uh, yeah. <laughs> now it, it, you do. <laughs> now you do. Lice that's, check. So that's, so that's basically it. Yeah. It's it's. I don't want to say it's a throwaway line in the movie, but it's okay. a throwaway line in the movie. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't remember that at all for some reason. We have we've we've played it a little fast and loose, I think, with our restaurant so far. You know what I'm uh, saying? I think we just have just a start, little bit. Just a little bit. We have to start taking this more serious. We have to we have to buckle down and make this a real business, okay? Okay. So that's how about that? That's my Cinemodities New Year resolution. I'm gonna pay more attention to the business and make it a good restaurant we're gonna go through and you know actually do all these things we're talking about okay all right i'm buckling i'm buckling in okay the first question i have for you zach of course we're going to talk about how these thumb movies are going to get into our restaurant but we we have we have a serious question to answer i think i mentioned it before that i have i've been keeping a spreadsheet i have all these snack ideas all these restaurant ideas stored they're saved we can always pull them back up but zach when we talk about snacks, we talk about them regardless of our feelings towards late night and cinemodity status of the movie, right? Indeed. Yeah, we always talk about the snack. We need to make the decision, in our restaurant, are we including all of these foods or only foods for things that we have determined to be a cinemodity? What do you think? Oh, my Lord. You figure he just dumps this on me all at once. He doesn't give me any time. <laughs> well, but, you know, it kind of makes sense. If this is the Cinemodities restaurant, why are we going to, you know, uh, have food from something that we both said no to when we got to Cinemodities, you know? Well, I don't know. It depends on... I know. We have to, we have to do some level of, like, trying things out at the Cinemodities restaurant. Mm-hmm. Maybe we experiment with the menu. Like, like certain days we have uh, certain things available, and other days we don't. Maybe like in the yeah. sense of like like almost like preview like previews of like me- like we do um I don't want to say focus group testing, but like research. Like we have, like yeah, we use our yeah. customers as guinea pigs. Definitely, and I think that gets to my next question. Is of course you know sometimes we have been split on things. So what do we do with food for? Um, media that you know one of us said yes to a cinemodity but one of us said no and i like that idea of you know switching the menu around because it would be audience. like a, it'd be like uh, today is a rob's choice day at the cinemodities <laughs> restaurant today is a zach's choice day you know i'm pretty sure um every day is a rob's choice day at the restaurant <laughs> yeah zach's never stepped foot in the restaurant he just tries to run it from the dis from a distance <laughs> <laughs> He also doesn't want his name on any of the documents. He wants no paper. No, <laughs> absolutely not. This is all. This is all the credit. All the credit lines are in uh, Rob's name. Yes. So, so are you saying that we should kind of revolve our menu or change up our menu to at some point, or you know, maybe on a certain basis, include foods that we've discussed for things that are not cinemodities? 
maybe. Because we have had some good ideas, even though there's things we've said no to that we've still had some pretty good foods from, I believe. Oh, definitely. Okay, okay. I think that's something that we have to we have to figure out, though, you know? We can't just keep adding foods willy-nilly. Well, how, how dare we not have a concise idea of what we're doing when it comes to our make-believe restaurant? That, see, that's the New Year's resolution, though, Zach, that we're actually going to get serious about it, okay? I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, okay. It, uh, that's and I. I am saying that's both of our Cinemodities New Year resolution. Oh, so oh, yours okay. too. Oh, okay, I'm being dragged into this. Yes. Yeah. You can have other New Year's resolutions, but this is your Cinemodities New Year resolution. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because <laughs> we have to be a unified front on this. Okay. Oh my lord. Unified front. When we walk into Shark Tank. I just can't, I can't be like, I'm Rob, and this is Zach, he's just going to sit here for this whole thing, I don't know why he's really here. And, you know, you have to be unified front. Unified front, okay? Unified front? Well, okay. So we're going to have more questions like this, we're going to refine the restaurant, everyone can come check it out, you can get all these good foods we're discussing, all that type of stuff. Now, let's maybe zoom in on the thumb movies and how they're going to relate to our restaurant First thing I want to pitch is not a food, it's not an activity, it's a waiter. Oh, what geez. do you think? Life size, same size as the Robin Zach waiter, same size as, as the Jordorowski waiter, same size as the Richard Stanley waiter. Uh, there is no Nelson De La Rosa waiter, I think we decided on that, Damn, right? No, no. <laughs> even, even the spreadsheet says Zach and Rob cannot agree on which waiter <laughs> to include. <laughs> so it's not even like I, I doubled down on there. But... What do you think about a full-sized thumb waiter? And it would, it would be basically a thumb costume. And so it would be like we have a, a real-life thumb person in our restaurant. What do you think? A real-life thumb character? Yeah, yeah. Like that would be one of the waiters. It would be the thumb waiter. Why does it have to be a waiter with you? Why can't we just have uh, like 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 walk around characters? Like like how about this? Like we have this cinema. Because they have to do something for the restaurant other than entertainment. That's what is this slave labor? They can't. You have like character. They can be just characters that wander around. You take pictures with. I'm okay with that, but if <laughs> if food needs to get out to a table or someone needs their order taken, I, they I'm better be able to do that too. I don't too. want a giant thumb serving me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but speak I don't want a giant thumb. Yeah, speak for yourself. Yourself, yeah. Because, honestly, if I went into the Cinemodies restaurant, any restaurant, and they were like, here's your choice of waiters, and one of them was a thumb, I would select that just to see what its hands are like. Like, does it just have thumbs? Does it have real hands? Who knows? Like, that's Absolutely part of the adventure. Not. Absolutely not. <laughs> but you'd like to get punched in the junk by Nelson De La Rosa? No, he does it to the clientele. I'm not getting punched in the junk. Okay, I guess I was coming at this from a customer point of view. <laughs> no customer wants that, Zach. And yet, to be fair, if you want to take the stance of I'm not eating at the restaurant, I'm never going to be there. So no, I won't get punched in the junk. That's fine, but I still stand. No one's going to like that. <laughs> well, that's that's their fault then. <laughs> I think you just came up with the slogan for the Cinemodities restaurant. <laughs> oh, that's the customer's fault then. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says when you walk in, you know, it's like, um, it's like what the Olive Garden, when you're here, you're family, and there's like a banner for it. It's like you walk in and it goes, well, the customer, it's the customer's fault. 
I like it. Um, no, I, I, it should be waiter. Character I'd be okay with, but they have to do something else for the restaurant. They have to be, you know, how about this? Character slash janitor. So the <laughs> Why do they have to have a know. purpose? What are you... <laughs> because... Because we're we're running our business efficiently, you can't just have something in there that's not going to do anything. You know. Why do I feel like this is like like you know, uh, like some sort of weird demented version of like Disneyland, where like the cus like poor the Mickey Mouse guy dressed up as like sweeping like cleaning the toilets in the back of Tomorrowland? Yeah, or something. exactly. No. Yeah, we are on the same page. We are no, the same not. exact thing. No, I want your little notes that we're, there's no agreement on this yet. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to make two columns in the spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, okay, so my snack is much like um, yeah, I don't think he's referenced my name in Thumbtanic, but I we have uh, we need uh, a banana or some sort of sugary fruit. I that is what the item on the mem- menu is. Okay, banana or some sugary type of fruit. Okay, okay, and would it be uh, would we handle this as like a like a fruit of the day type of thing that would be what determines the fruit that you get. Uh, sure. Basically anything we, it, whatever falls off the back of the truck. <laughs> okay. I, I like that. So even if it's like, what if, what if we don't get like a fruit, you know, like what if the truck drops like eggs? No, it has to be, it has to be some sort of sugary. Fruit. Okay. Okay. So this, this would be part of what we were saying where, you know, this menu item might not always be there, but it would be there oh. when, Oh, okay, I got it. Okay, I'm refining it right now. Okay, okay. It. Considering that we don't have enough, we still don't have enough beverages at the Cinemati's restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's the banana or some type of sugary fruit smoothie. Ah, okay, okay. I can get behind that. I think that'd be clever because it's like a mystery flavor, so we can pretty much dump whatever fruit we have or whatever's <laughs> cheapest in there. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. You know, you yeah. Use the the poorer ingredients for the things that you're not going to be able to see the ingredients in. <laughs> Boom! There you go. See, Eff- right efficient make believe restaurant menu devising. <laughs> this is what we're all about. Okay, this is what we're all about. This is our day job. The podcast is our night job. We got to keep our day job. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm problem okay. solving like an adult. Indeed. So uh, another food item that I want to pitch. I guess it's not really a food item. It would once again be something that we can use maybe for the creation of food. In the kitchen, whenever we would need uh, any type of food to be smashed, to be flattened, we would have pepper. Just, you know, like he had the animals and he kept pounding them and, you know, squishing them. He would be like, he would make our hamburger patties for us. Like we'd put the, you know, the ground beef in his hand and he'd smash it into a patty. Um, mashed potatoes. We'd give him some potatoes and he'd mash them up, you know? So that would kind of be like, he would be a cooking utensil for us almost. Wouldn't it be cheaper to get a, uh, a utensil? Yes. So, so maybe he works in the kitchen and out of the kitchen. Maybe we might, maybe we can come up with some dishes where something would have to get smashed in front of the customer. So it'd be like, you order this thing and then he comes out and he like takes part of your dish and smashes them together and then you get it, you know? Gotcha. I'm trying to think of what, what you would smash, like, because I'm thinking of like flambe where the waiter comes over and they, you know, they light your thing on fire and then, you know, they put it out and it's like, ooh, you know, oh, that's so cool. It would be Pepper comes out and he's like, um, 
Maybe like a flatbread, maybe like a panini, where he's going to like press it down for you. I still think it'd be cheaper and a lot less liability to have a machine or some sort of device that does that. Well, liability does not play a role. Even after, oh. even after our New Year's resolution, liability is the metric we don't care about. <laughs> All right, you're moving the goalposts again, aren't you? Uh, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen them stationary, so... <laughs> so, Rob, yeah, is, this a, pepper in there. Yep. is this a cinematic and or late night movie? Uh, yes, and yes. Yes, okay. To both. To Thumbtanic and Frankenthumb. Even though Frankenthumb is my least favorite, it is still a thumb movie in all of its glory. And, and uh, yeah, I've told people about these. I've you know, I've given them to people, you know, when sharing media. Like I've said before, I don't know if they go on and watch them or not. In my experience, uh, the things that I tell people to check out, usually they do everything to avoid and never, ever see. So who knows? But I'm going to keep going. I, I would still put this on late at night for somebody. I put these on late at night for myself because they're quick and easy to watch and they're hilarious and we always get some good miles from them. So yes, 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 and yes. Those are my answers for the upcoming weeks as well. <laughs> okay, so so no so no mystery in the, in for the rest of the month, in other words. No, no, yeah. Come back to me uh, at the end of episodes. We're focusing on the restaurant. That's what I'm going to be diving into more deeper for the Thumb movies, at least. Wait till we get to God Thumb. Oh, man, do I have food ideas for God Thumb. I'm going to say cinemodity, yes. Late night movie, No. Are you talking about these two in particular, or just thumbs yeah. in general? Oh, uh, I haven't seen the other four, so I, uh, you know, uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe the other ones are very profound. <laughs> but no, I would definitely say uh, Cinemati, yes, late night movie, no. Okay, okay. I think they're weird. I think they're a very unique moment in time. But uh, I don't think this would be great fodder for, for, any, like, for like after midnight. Even though I may, maybe okay, maybe because it, I still think this is like an introductory cinema, like late ah. night movie. Maybe, maybe if you get once again, like let's say your copy of Star Wars Clone Wars is in the shop, <laughs> um, all the other kitty ones are kind of out, and you sit there, all you have is Mandy, and you're a bunch <laughs> of like uh, uh, prepubescents, and it's like, oh, I can't show them like weird ass crap. This is kind of a family, fr- maybe as a yeah. family friendly cinema late night movie. Okay, because okay, it's really like it. it's, it has no sharp teeth. Yeah, and you know we we haven't really talked about that in a while. I think you know the introductory status or you know family friendly. I don't think we have too many of those. Star Wars: The Clone Wars is certainly in there, but I don't think there's too many that we put under the heading of um, you know really family friendly. Like we said, I, maybe Sophia the First, but I know yeah, Zach said you should never show that to your children. So no, you're you are knows? a bit. You are a bad adult if you show that to your children. <laughs> I know Rob disagrees on that, but you know what? He might just have to uh, suck it up. Is that going to be on the Disney streaming service? Probably. <sighs> I wonder if they took it off Netflix yet. I haven't watched it in a while. Well, okay, folks. Rob's going to have to check, check it out and let us know. I'm going to check. Yeah, I'm going to get on there tonight and see if... Um... See if Sophia the First is still on there. So once again, tomorrow morning when I wake up, my buddy whose Netflix account I use can text me, did you watch a kid's show? (laughs) All right. Is there anything else? Is there anything else we have to talk about? No, I think that's it. You don't have any uh, pressing items for the restaurant at the start of the new year? Nope. 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 Nope.
we are doing two more thumb movies. Hey kids, next week we're actually talking about three thumb movies. Okay, so how are we getting this episode, Rob? Hmm. I think I want to blend some thumb music together. I definitely want to get that My Heart is a Thumb in there backwards. Uh, I definitely think, you know, we can get some music, some of the old-timey music that's at the start of Frank and Thumb during that introduction scene. But also, I would like to play around with the uh, Thumb Studios. So I don't know if, if Zach picked up on this, but like the little little production image or the screen at the start of the Thumb movies, it says like Thumb Studio and it's a Thumb character like uh, turning a projector, like an old school projector. And there's a little musical flourish over that that I've just have had stuck in my head for years because I've heard it so many times. And it's real short and we can play around with that a good bit. It sounds pretty cool. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.